Amen. We're going to continue now in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. And yeah, just what a joy it is to be able to just receive and have our cups filled this morning. Amen. Through worship, through prayer. Thank you for that wonderful time in prayer, Danny. That was incredible. Through just uh, being able to uh, now open our minds, open our hearts to what the Lord may say to us this morning. And yeah, as, as it w- was already said, thanks to all of those who participated in the Friday night encounter. That was just an incredible time. The Lord was in this place, just as the Lord is with us right now. But thank you to all who served and took part in that. And a very, very, very special thanks to the worship and media team. Can we just all praise God for them and thank them, actually? They did an incredible, incredible job from uh, just uh, everyone just pulling together and seeing it come together all for God's glory. So thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. And also, as it's uh, been said, next week we're going to be having communion together. So let's go ahead and be preparing ourselves next week to partake in Holy Communion um, together and also to be hearing about just the international work that God is doing and how we've been partnering in that. We'll have one of our international uh, mission partners that will be here next week to share a bit more about um, just the work of God um, locally and internationally as well. So we're excited for that and grateful for all that God will do in that time. And um, as, as was mentioned too, next week, next month, as we're preparing for Easter week, we will have an evening um, Good Friday service on April 15th. And then we will have our Sunday morning Easter service at a different time. That's going to be at 11 a.m. So it'll give everyone an opportunity to sleep in a bit and get ready for uh, Easter. And then we're going to have an Easter brunch together and Easter activities immediately after service together. So please go ahead and mark that down for April 17th. It'll be a later worship time at 11 a.m. And so um, I'm, I'm just excited for all that God continues to do in and through the life of our community in this season. So we're going to continue now in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. And today we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. La escritura de hoy viene del libro de Mateo, capítulo 26, versículos 36 al 46. And um, we can go ahead and turn there. The passage will be up on the uh, slides as well. Uh, For those watching at home or streaming online, it'll be on the projector screen as well. And we're in this season of Lent and we're going through the Gospels and we're taking part in this tradition that has been part of the church tradition throughout history and throughout the world where we're preparing ourselves for Easter. And one of the ways that the people of God have really just uh, honored the time, especially in reading the Gospels and in reading the life of Jesus, is actually by standing while we're reading the Gospel. So I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to stand as we read the Gospel of our Lord and uh, on, uh, in Matthew 26 and what we've been reading about the last night of our Lord Jesus before he took the cross. So let's hear now with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. Matthew 26, beginning at verse 36. Then Jesus went to his, with his disciples to a place called 
Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, then may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your precious, precious word. And Lord, we know that you are doing a work in us in ways that are unseen and in ways that are seen, Lord, in ways that are internal and ways that are external, God. And Lord, we just pray that today that we would be able to just continue with that theme of encounter. Encuéntranos esta mañana, Dios Santo. Lord, encounter us, Lord God, and fill us. Teach us, make us new, God. You are the source of all life. So we draw near to you this morning. Holy Spirit, would you give us wisdom, give us understanding, give us clarity this morning, that our hearts and minds may be open to know your truth and your way, and that we would reflect you, Jesus, in our lives, our words, and actions. It's in your faithful name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So I had picked this passage uh, many weeks ago, not knowing that today was going to be the time change, actually. And um, it wasn't intentional, but I, I couldn't help but noticing all the references to sleep in this passage, right? It says, and they were sleeping. Are you still sleeping and resting? So for all those that aren't here right now, hear the words of Jesus. Are you still sleeping and resting? Rise and get up. I'm so grateful that we're continuing in this series together um, for Lent. Lent is this uh, tradition that the people of God throughout history and throughout the world have taken part in for generations and generations. And Lent is actually the preparation for Easter. And we're in this Easter series called, the, the, this uh, Lent series as we're preparing for Easter called The Last Night. 
where we're reflecting together as a church community on the last night of Jesus before taking the cross. Have you ever asked yourself, if I knew that I would die tomorrow, how would I spend my final 24 hours on this earth? Would you have a bucket list? Would you have a list of to-dos and to-don'ts? Well, here in Matthew 26, that is exactly what we get to read about. We get to read about how Jesus, our Lord, He knows that this is His mission to fulfill His calling on the cross, and this is His last night on earth before entering into that mission. And we get to see here how He spends His final moments before His death. Last week, we talked about how Jesus, in his final hours, he was, uh, before taking the cross, he was anointed in a place called Bethany. And what we saw there is that Jesus, in his final days before taking the cross, his final hours, we see exactly what Jesus did. Again, he didn't just have a bucket list. He didn't just do a bunch of all kinds of new, exciting things. He could have done anything. But we saw last week, one of the things Jesus did is he simply showed up to ordinary moments. And he made those ordinary moments into holy moments and eternal moments. And in this passage that we read this morning, we see once again what Jesus does on his last night before the cross. Jesus chose to pray. Jesus chose to pray and to be in the presence of His Father. That's what we see that Jesus chose to do on this last night on the cross. And so just in that same spirit, just as we are going to enter into Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, I want to invite us right now to just take a moment to pause, to pray, to ask God to really um, invite us into that space, into that same space that Jesus was in, in Gethsemane. So right now, let's just take a moment to, to pray, to center ourselves, and then we'll come back together in just a moment, and I'll go ahead and bring us together. Let's enter into God's presence and pray. Let's enter into Gethsemane with our Lord this morning. Lord, meet us in that space, in that garden of Gethsemane, as we prepare, Lord, to reflect on your cross next month and to celebrate the victory of your resurrection. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we see that Jesus, on his last night, chose to pray to enter into the presence of the Father. 
Now, Jesus, in that moment, he chose to rest in the Lord and to take action. Prayer was the action that he took in preparation for the cross. The gospel calls us to action. In fact, the action that we're called to is the action to pray. Prayer is actually never, uh, uh, never any waste of time, but it's always a preparation for something greater. Prayer is never simply preparation for action, but it's always the first action, the driving action, and the final action, as we often say here at Imago Church, for those of us who follow Jesus. In fact, that's why this old school um, uh, Christian leader by the name of John Calvin, he actually talks about prayer as the chief exercise of faith. Jesus prays and he calls us to continue to pray without ceasing. That means that we don't stop. In all seasons, we pray and we lift our hearts up to the Lord. So we see here, Jesus goes out to Gethsemane with his friends. Jesus prays to God and he spends some time in solitude after finishing one season and beginning a new season. Jesus prays. What is prayer? ¿Qué es la oración? Prayer is, takes on many forms, but essentially what prayer is, is prayer is entering into the presence of God. Prayer and invocation is actually the purpose of the Christian life. Us coming together to pray, enter into the presence of God, it's all for that purpose. Prayer is bringing our true selves before the true God. Now, I'll be honest with you, I've had all kinds of experiences with prayer. I've had ups and downs. I've had seasons where I'm on fire in my prayers. I've had seasons where it feels dull and dry. But in all of those seasons, I have come to realize that really the what shapes our prayer life the most, more than anything, more than any sense of over-emotion or perfectionism when it comes to prayer, what shapes our prayer life the most is not perfection, it's consistency. Being consistent in our prayers, even if they're simple prayers or repeated prayers or just going back to basics kind of prayers, that's really going to be one of the keys in growing in our prayer life. Consistency, not perfection. So I want us all right now to just get rid of that idea that my prayers need to sound perfect and elaborate or anything like that. No, it's entering into the presence of God just as you are, your true self before the true and living God. And in fact, the way that we grow in our prayer life, the way that we mature in our prayer life is actually by doing one simple thing. That is by praying. We learn to pray by praying. We mature and grow in our prayer life by praying. And so friends, brothers, sisters, don't let any sense of perfectionism or internal critic or any of that hold you back. Jesus has given you access. Enter into his presence consistently and humbly. But there are different types of prayers. 
And we see in Gethsemane, Jesus actually takes part in these different types of prayers. He is our model for ministry and our model for prayer as well. When you don't know what to pray, there's a couple of ways that you can start. And you can see as Jesus does here in this passage, there are prayers of adoration. Those are, that means just prayers of worship, adoring God for who he is. There are prayers of confession, prayers of thanksgiving, and prayers of supplication or asking for God's help. So one way you can remember that is A-C-T-S, Acts, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. So when we have prayers of adoration, those are prayers of celebrating who God is, worshiping God simply for who He is. And we see different examples of prayers of adoration throughout the scriptures. One of those is actually uh, part of what the closing benediction that we have here together as the church every single Sunday. It comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. If we can put it up, please. It says to him, this is an example of a prayer of adoration, of just praying to God, adoring him for who he is. It says this, it says, now to him, now to God who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That's a prayer of adoration. Sometimes when you don't know what to pray, you can just begin to adore and worship God for who he is. Lord, you are great, you are mighty, you are wonderful, you are faithful. Those are all prayers. Then there are also prayers of confession. As our brother Danny got to lead us this uh, this morning, and we hope to get many different leaders throughout the year to be able to develop and lead the congregation in those prayers as well. But prayers of confession can be done together as a community or even in silence. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it tells us the importance of the of prayers of confession. It says this in James 5, 16, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that what? So that you may be healed. Confession is the pathway to healing. To healing in our lives to healing those scars, those wounds, those traumas. That's part of another form, another gift of prayer. So again, there's prayers of adoration, there's prayers of confession, and there's prayers of thanksgiving and supplication. We see an example in in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24 of an example of a prayer of thanksgiving. This is from the Apostle Paul. It says this, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole soul, spirit, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. That's a prayer of thanksgiving, knowing, Lord, thank you that you are faithful no matter what. Thank you that even though I don't feel it or see it right now, you are working in incredible ways. And you are faithful and you will do it. And then finally, prayers of supplication, S. Asking God for help. And I want to tell you something. When we ask God for help, 
God always answers prayer. Dios siempre responde a nuestras oraciones. God always answers prayer. In God's wisdom, there are times when we ask God for something and God says, yes. Yes, I will grant you that. You may have that. I will give you access to that. But then again, God always answers prayer. There are times when we ask God and God says no. No is an answer. But then amazingly, God doesn't just leave us at no. He says no because I have something much better for you. Something much better than you can even think of or imagine. So no to that lesser thing because I'm saying yes to a greater thing in your life. But then God also answers prayers, sometimes yes, sometimes no, but also sometimes wait. Wait is an answer to prayer also. <laughs> wait because I'm working, I'm actually developing a new way, a third way. In God's wisdom, we can trust in His answers. I remember several years ago, many years ago, I had asked God for, for help financially because I was in one of those seasons where I didn't know what I was going to do. And I can give you many, many testimonies where God has been faithful and provided in tremendous, abundant ways in my life. But I remember this one time where I asked for, for help and I wanted a certain amount of funds to be able to help me with this, uh, this plan that I had. And I brought that to the Lord and the answer was no, because I have another way. And what God actually sent into my life was so much better than just those immediate funds. God sent some wise people in my life to teach me how to steward and manage my finances because I had no idea how to do that before. And now I've been able to take some of those lessons and see them as a part of life, as a part of discipleship and pass that on to others. The Lord is our helper, friends, brothers, sisters. We seek and pray to a God who always answers us. We worship a God who always answers prayer. As it says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 13, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. The God that we worship helps us with what we need. Not just always with what we want, but with what we truly need. So that's really a way to grow in our prayer life through consistency. And when we don't know what to pray, we can start with Acts, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. But then another step to grow in our prayer life is actually to grow in our understanding of God, of the greatness of God. How big do you view God? How big do you view the God that you have the privilege to pray to, to worship, to enter into his presence? There's this uh, writer by the name of J.B. Phillips. He was a scholar for the New Testament, and he once published a book called Your God is Too Small. 
Sometimes we can try to contain God in a box or just in a limitation of our understanding, but this book actually challenged to the modern world, especially to the modern Christian, to lift up their eyes and realize that God is not simply just a motivational speaker or an inspirational therapist or a personal administrative assistant whose primary concern is just to help us with our day-to-day schedules or our personal lives, or with getting parking spaces. Yes, the Lord loves all details of our lives, but how big is the God that you are praying to? Are you aware of the holiness that Jesus was aware before His Father in Gethsemane? That we're communicating when we enter into the presence of God, we're communicating to the Creator of the heavens and the earth. We're communicating with the glorious sovereign God who is the mighty creator of all things in the universe. The one who holds time and eternity in the palm of his hand. That's who we're communicating to. The God who does not need us, but by his love, by an act of grace, he calls us to be his own. That is the God that we pray to when we enter into God's presence. How big is the God that you are praying to? Jesus knew. Jesus knew in Gethsemane that he was praying intimately to God the Father. He knew exactly who he was praying to. So how big is the God that you're praying to. If our prayer to God sounds more like you're the big shot and you're telling God what to do and God is just your errand boy or servant or whatever it is, then I have news for you. That's probably not the living God of the universe that we're talking to. Because when we enter into the presence of God, it's something so much greater. It's someone so much greater. When we're the ones just calling all the shots and telling God what to do, that's just an imaginary butler that we've made up in our head. That doesn't reflect the mighty God revealed in Scripture. That doesn't reflect the glorious God that Jesus is praying to in Gethsemane. We see here Jesus is not just praying to a butler or to a Santa Claus that maybe has me on a naughtiness or nice list. Jesus is not just praying to a genie, a genie in a bottle that will grant him three wishes, right? Aladdin. But he's praying to a God who is big enough, who is great enough to take on the forces of evil and death on the cross. That's who Jesus is praying to. The God who is mighty and victorious through the resurrection on Easter Sunday. The God who holds it all in His hands. The God who is big enough to handle all things. And when we say that God can handle all things, that means all of it. He can handle it, including that burden, including that thing 
that you're holding on to that's so hard to let go of. Yes, God can handle that. God can handle that pain. God can handle that discouragement, that fear, that disappointment. When we pray, we are praying to a God who can handle it. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of glory. As a church here at Imago, we are committed to praying for each other and we're committed to praying for our world, a world that so desperately needs God. And we're going to take time today to do that, to pray and give it all to God. And we're going to pray prayers of trust, prayers of confidence as well. Here in Gethsemane, in Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, we see just the most amazing prayer of confidence and of trust. In Gethsemane, Jesus experienced almost every single emotion. Jesus experienced uncertainty, loneliness, silence, and worship. And yet, when all of those prayers of done, they were prayers of were done, they were prayer, done as prayers of confidence. They were done as prayers of trust. Because Jesus prays everything he needs to pray before the Father, before taking the cross. And then what does he say to God the Father in trust and confidence? He says, Lord, may your will be done. That's the ultimate prayer of faith. That's the ultimate prayer of trust and confidence. We see this in the verse we just read in Matthew 26, 39. It says this. It says, going a little farther, he fell to his face to the ground and prayed. Some of you have shared with me stories when you've had to do that. When you have no other resort but to fall on your face and pray to the living God. Jesus did the same thing and he says, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. May your will, not mine, be done. So friends, brothers, sisters, Imago Church, for those here in person, for those online, Please know this, may your will be done. That is the greatest prayer of confidence and trust that we can enter into. And my hope and prayer is that this year and in this season of Lent, I want to invite all of us to add that phrase to our prayer lives. Yes, we can say, Lord, help me. Help us. Give us strength. Give me strength. Give me faith. Give me hope. And Lord... May your will be done because you are trustworthy. I am confident in you. I trust you more than I trust myself or my motivations. I trust you more than I trust other people, circumstances, situations. May your will be done. So what exactly is faith? And how is it that that seal of prayer, that seal that can contain it all, right? Like a jar that needs to contain something really important, the seal, may your will be done. How, how is it that that can advance our faith and grow our faith? 
Because faith, when I think of different um, definitions of what faith is, one of my favorite definitions is this. Faith is living in, adv- faith is living in advance what you will only understand in reverse. Faith is living in advance what you will only understand in reverse. Right now, I don't know how this situation is going to be resolved, but I trust God. And I know that His will will be done and His will is for goodness and grace in my life. Faith is living in advance what you will only understand in reverse. And friends, brothers, sisters, God builds on faith. God doesn't just build on our feelings. Because I don't know about you, but the way I felt this week is different than the way I felt last week and probably different the next week. God doesn't just build on feelings. He builds on faith. God doesn't just build on zeal or excitement, right? We have moments when we show up all excited and then the next day we don't know what's going on. God doesn't just build on information and knowledge. No, God builds our lives on faith. And faith is living in advance what you will only understand in reverse. As we've been saying every single week, and Brother Danny has led us in this prayer from the book of James, the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. We can trust God to be God in all circumstances, in all situations. Prayer produces greater faith. Prayer is the power that will get us through the night. It is the power that gets us through the night and into the morning. And that's my plea to you this morning. And let the Holy Spirit be speaking directly to you in this. Whatever you may be experiencing, learn from Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Get to the morning because joy comes in the morning. And prayer is the power that will get us through the night and into the morning. That's what Jesus chose to do on his last night before taking the cross. Again, as we see in the book of James, the prayers of the righteous produce faith and faith produces character. Sorry, as we see here in this passage, faith produces character. We see more of that in Romans 5. God begins to use us in incredible ways as we grow in our character. God uses, again, faith to build us up, to build our character, to build our own, um, our, our own image more and more into the image of Christ. I want us to know this because many of us have had different experiences with prayer. Some of us think maybe we need to pray more, maybe we need to pray less, maybe we don't know how to pray. But guess what? When it comes to prayer, we're all on even ground because of Jesus Christ. He has given all of us equal access to him. So my, my uh, encouragement to you is just to start. But I'll say this also, 
and I want us all to hold on to this. The most important prayer ever in history is not one that you have to, have to make. But the most important prayer ever in history is one that you don't have to make, but a prayer that Jesus makes for you. Just think about that for a second. Jesus prayed for you. Jesus continues to be that intercessor. Another part of the prayer in Gethsemane that we don't actually get to read about in the Gospel of Matthew, but we see it in the Gospel of John. On that last night before Jesus took the cross, Jesus did something amazing. Jesus prayed. And in that prayer in Gethsemane, Jesus prayed for you. And Jesus prayed for me. He prayed for us. Let's read that passage in John 17, 20 to 26. You can turn there in your Bibles or see it up on the screen. This is our Lord's prayer on His last night before the cross. He thought of you. He thought of me. He prayed for us. And He says this. He says, My prayer is not for them alone, for His disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and that's me. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you and me are one, I am in you and you are in me. And may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then He continues to pray for you. He continues to pray for me. He continues to pray for us in uh, verses 24 to 26. And He says this. He says, Father, I want those that You have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory You have given me because You loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they, you, me, us, put your name there. They know you. And you have sent me. I have made you known to them. And will and we'll continue to make you know in order that the love you have for me may be in them. And that I myself may be in them. Wow. Amen. On his last night before the cross, Jesus took time to pray for you. To pray for me. To pray for us. And I want you to know something. Whatever you may be going through, friends, brothers, sisters, when Jesus prays for you, that means that you're going to be fine. That means that you're going to be all right. The most important prayer ever is not a prayer that you or I have to make, but a prayer that has been made for us on our behalf. Understand that everything right now is working together for the good of those who love the Lord. 
Jesus is praying for you. You'll be fine. Just watch, wait, and see. Don't fall asleep like the disciples there with him. Watch, wait, and see because the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. And the righteous one, Jesus Christ, prays for you. He prays for you and prayed for you in a way that is powerful and effective. One of my favorite um, songs of all time, I have this playlist on, on my Spotify, and it's, uh, it's called Forever Songs. And there's this one song, um, it's not even popular anymore, but it's called Prayers of the Righteous. And it says this, it says, When we pray, we believe and we receive what we ask in His name. All things are possible. When we pray, we tap in to miraculous things. And victoriously, we declare that we know that the prayers of the righteous availeth much. The prayers of the righteous prevail. Yes, we know the prayers of the righteous prevail because His love never fails The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. The prayer of Jesus for you is powerful and effective. So know that. Because Jesus prays for you, it's going to be all right. All will be well. And yes, You will be fine. You will get through the night because joy comes in the morning. Let's pray. God, what a precious and eternal gift it is to enter into your presence, Lord. Lord, help us to be consistent in our prayer life. You're not looking for perfection. You're not looking for just fancy words or fancy postures, God. You're just looking for us to draw near to you as you draw near to us, Lord God. As we say here often at Imago, Lord, help us to show up to your presence and see you show off in our lives in unique and wonderful and incredible only God kind of ways. Lord, increase our faith, increase our courage, increase our endurance, increase our hope, increase our love, Lord. All of that you will build up through faith. And prayer, Lord, is how you choose to build that up. God, when we don't know what to pray, may we just adore you and worship you. May this closing worship song, Lord, be our prayer to you and receive it as a sweet aroma, oh God. Lord, when we mess up, when we go the wrong way, may we just confess and repent. Stop running, stop fleeing. Just confess and repent. Come back to Jesus. His arms are already wide open toward you when everything around us seems like it's going in the wrong direction, may we say a prayer of thanksgiving and say thank you, Lord. 
that your presence is here. I have nothing else, but I have your presence. Thank you, Jesus. And when we don't know what to do or where to go, may we call on our God for help. Help is available. Help is on the way. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. And Jesus Christ, the one righteous one, has prayed a powerful and effective prayer for you and for me and for us. And because Jesus prays for us, we can rest in that. We can stop fighting, stop wrestling, stop being restless and instead choose to rest, to breathe, to be still and know that God's got us. God's got you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you've refreshed us through your living word this morning. As we close out in our time of praise, may we experience your presence and your power and enter into that beautiful presence that you have given us access to. It's in the faithful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.